Shirley. I'm Monisha from Make It Shine, the money podcast. On today's podcast, we talk about the importance of a cohabitation agreement when you move in with your partner and how it's different from a prenup. Keep listening to find out. Okay, Shirley, so this is a follow-up to several podcasts related to relationship and money we had during season one of Make It Shine Money. We've actually had a few episodes about this. One was on how to talk to your partner about money. Mm -hmm. Another popular episode was around secret bank accounts and financial infidelity. That's right. And we really plan our podcast topics based on feedback from our listeners, which resulted in an episode dedicated to the cost of divorce and also prenup. It's great how different people resonate with the podcast. So I have a friend who's been dating her boyfriend for about a year, and she had so many follow-up questions after our prenup episode. Was she about to get married? No, but they might be moving in together soon. And that's how cohabitation agreements came up and how it's different from a prenup. Right. I know you and I are both in the financial services space and been in financial services for over decades. But even I didn't know that there's a difference between a prenup and a cohabitation agreement until this conversation. So a prenup agreement is a legal contract that you may choose to have before you get married, which outlines both you and your partner's assets and liabilities and what happens to them if the marriage ends. Yes, and a cohabitation agreement is similar, Mm -hmm. but the couple is not getting married. They're just moving in together. And it has to be a romantic relationship. This person is not just your platonic roommate or friend. Which usually means finances will eventually get commingled. Right. Another important point, once you start living together for an extended period of time, you are actually recognized as common law partners. And the time ranges between two to three consecutive years, depending on which province you live in. So for example, in Ontario and Alberta, it's three consecutive years. And in BC, it's only two consecutive years. So you may not even know that your partner, whoever you're living with, is actually recognized legally as a common law partner. If you have a baby together by birth or adoption, this also impacts the timeline. You're considered common law after living together for one year. Wow. And being common law status has legal implications. That's right. For example, common law relationships have some of the same rights as couples in a marriage contract. However, there are nuances and neither parties are as protected. And actually, common law relationships are growing in popularity. So according to Stats Canada, amongst the G7 countries, Canada has the highest share of common law couples at 23%. And this is actually heavily influenced by Quebec, with 43% of Canada's common law couples living in Quebec. And in the last 20 years, common law couples have increased by 447% versus married couples, which have increased by 26%. So it's just as important to talk and plan your finances if you're in a common law relationship. And there's a big knowledge gap when it comes to knowing your rights as a common law. Yeah, I have a story about this. So one of my aunt's friends, she went through a situation. She, you know, she lived together with her partner for almost 10 years and they have two kids together. Mm -hmm. They're not married and there's no cohabitation agreement. Right. So the house they lived in, it belonged to her partner before they were in the relationship together. And even though she contributed to the mortgage as well, she was not eligible to receive 50-50 division of property when they split, like she would be if they were legally married. And in the end, I mean, for the sake of the two kids, they ended up settling outside of court. But it was a very, very tough time for her. And the reality is, this happens a lot more than we know. It's just not something we talk about very often right. because they're hard topics, right? And it's funny, there's so much content on how to find a partner and it takes up like most of the shelf space in the self-help section of the bookstore. <laughs> we can barely spot the breakup section, like topics on breakups and money. That's true. By the way, did you know that in China, some couples pay a breakup fee? And this has nothing to do with even moving in or living together. They're just dating. So usually it's the guy that pays it, especially if he ended the relationship. And the logic is he wasted his girlfriend's time. (laughs) So she deserves some compensation. Oh my God. I hope it's not law abiding. (laughs) No, it's not. 
Oh my God, love costs money. In love, out of love, always costing money. Anyways, if you're considering moving in with a partner, definitely look into a cohabitation agreement. As always, consult with a lawyer as well. I mean, there's no cookie cutter scenario and it's all about transparency and looking out for both of you. I totally agree. There isn't a lot of information around the percentage of people who have a cohabitation agreement, but from what I remember in our episode about prenups, only about 8% of Canadian couples have one or have mm-hmm. a prenup. So I imagine it's much less for cohabitation agreements. I mean, which logically doesn't make sense because common law relationships are the fastest growing segment in Canada. And we know that in some countries, up to 50% of marriages end in divorce. So there needs to be more focus on protecting people in common law relationships. I totally agree with you. So how does one get and set up a cohabitation agreement? There are do-it-yourself templates that you can download for free, which outlines both of your individual assets and liabilities, including all of your debt. You can also include terms for specific things you owned before moving in together, and it should clearly state what happens to it if the relationship were to end. You can also include the terms for your living arrangement. For example, who or what percentage of bills, like your utilities, does each person pay? Or what happens to the property if you were to break up? So decide on those details now when you're not under the stress of a breakup. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of great examples online on what you can include. One important thing is that consider having your individual lawyers review it to make sure it's fair and legally binding. Yes, and there's also a cost to that, of course, whenever lawyers are involved. But it's really important and consider it insurance for your relationship. You can't predict what happens in the future. So do what you can now to protect your future self with a cohabitation agreement. We hope you enjoy today's episode and please share it with a friend, especially a friend that's considering moving in with their partner or has already moved in. It's not too late to set up that agreement. Let us know your thoughts and check us out on Instagram and make a shine money. And don't forget to make a shine. Any views or opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the podcast creators and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the owner may or may not be associated with in professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. 